Okay, I might have to state some relatively obvious things to you to actually get to the point of what our sermon's going to be about tonight. One of those things is today is Ash Wednesday, and that marks the beginning of the season of Lent. Lent is a part of the church year where we give extra attention and thought to the sufferings and death, the passion of our Lord Jesus Christ. As a reminder of Jesus' sacrifice, many Christians will often be moved to make a sacrifice of their own, perhaps giving up something during this time to show their devotion to Jesus, to partake a little bit of the suffering so that there's a connection that uh, can be made, especially when we get to Good Friday. Uh, Lent is also a time of, of sacrifice of a different kind, where we sacrifice things in our life that, well, there's no other way of putting it, that, that aren't God-pleasing. Nothing against the television programs you watch, but how many of those are encouraging you to confess your sins, to live in forgiveness with your Father in heaven and with each other? Oh, these shows are action-packed, exhilarating things to, uh, to get you excited about life, or at least the lives of other people. Well, Ash Wednesday and Lent do not have the same curb appeal as Advent and Christmas does to our culture. Ash Wednesday, Lent, Holy Week, they haven't remained untouched by our culture that really doesn't understand why the church observes the 40 days of Lent, let alone understand the language of Lent, the things that are talked about, the things that are a part of our Lenten conversation. If it's fair to say, I think even Christians today struggle with the purpose, the process, and even the length of Lent. Familiarity with Lent has bred an unfortunate spirit of neglect. I believe due largely to misunderstanding of the meaning or the significance of the things of Lent. We live in a quick fix era. Everything is fast. Let's get it on. Don't you think Lent seems unduly long? One pastor remarked, my people just can't remain sorry for their sins for 40 days. <laughs> hmm. There are others that complain about, well, the individual congregation's response to Lent. Let's be frank. When you look at your life throughout the rest of the year and compare it to Lent, we sure do pack in a lot of things there that cause a little bit of challenge to the life that you're living throughout the rest of the year. Oh, there's extra worship service, Bible class opportunities, there's devotions you can read, there's going to be a prayer vigil coming up, and of course all the other services weekly, and especially when we get into Holy Week. It seems to some that we pack so much into Lent as a church that Everyday living seems to be an intrusion on Lent. Or the other way around, I don't have time for it. 
shouldn't surprise us that when we look at attendance numbers, Ash Wednesday and Good Friday are the most attended services of our Lenten season. Kind of bookending it, I guess. Let's start it off right, let's end it right, but boy, all those weeks in between, huh, that's a, that's a difficult road to hoe. What happens in that time is that we then find ourselves potentially being preoccupied with the other things. Maybe the, even the things that we should be prayerfully considering about their importance or their value to your spiritual life. Shouldn't surprise you at all that I'm much aware of the NCAA men's tournament, also known as March Madness, which will occur this year between March 14th and April 3rd. Thankfully, they didn't do it the week after and and end up running into Easter. But they got it in. They fit it in. I'm not complaining, by the way. I'm just observing. Sure. Nothing like one of those charts that you fill out, your, your um, way of determining who you think's going to win it all. Your bracket. That's something that'll bring a little excitement into the, the sadness and the forlorning of, of Lent. Maybe the problem here is um, that we've taken some of the language uh, for granted. We, we don't even know for sure what it's about. Maybe the, the, the customs, the things that have become a part of the traditional Lenten experience are just that. We do them because we do them. Now, I know we have a Lent Ash Wednesday service at night, so you don't walk around all day with a cross on your head. But I almost wonder if that doesn't fit our lifestyle. We don't mind putting it on, but we don't want to put it on too long. We want to make sure if we're going to do shopping, we do shopping before the service as opposed to after because we notice that people are looking at it. We probably look at it ourselves when we look at each other right now. But we do it. And when it's over, it's over. Do we miss the purpose? Do we misunderstand why we do it? It shouldn't surprise you if it does. We still foster these these phony ideas about Lent, that it's a time to give up cigarettes, beers off my list during Lent, along with chocolate, ice cream, throw in whatever you think about giving up Lent is all about. With the design and the plan, as soon as Easter comes, we're going to start all over again. It's really not about quitting anything. It's about stopping it for a while. But we don't want to make Lent a a catalog of negatives either. Nor another equally detrimental thing when it comes to Lent, when we think that the, the focus during Lent is upon the individual. The focus is on what I'm doing or not doing. When you look biblically at the whole recognition of what our relationship about when it comes to let fellow Christians need each other during this time of pilgrimage. There's great gain to be had by us regularly coming together, by what we do together as a corporate church during this time. I mean, think about it. if one or two of you had an epiphany and all of a sudden this is going to change, what's the rest of the body doing? After a while, don't you get tired? 
when we think that Lent is just about what we do or choose not to do, we lose out on really what the purpose of the whole thing was. Someone once said that there's no New Testament solitary Christians ever. And that's really what our Old Testament prophet Joel talked about today. That his return to God was not an individual return to God. He doesn't see it as a solitary venture on the part of this Israelite or that Israelite. But it was a part of the house. It was a part of the gathering. It was a, it was a part of the people. This is what we do together. My devotion, your devotion, becomes our devotion. And in that particular environment, the Holy Spirit brings about changes. And you can see the work on a larger scale when we as God's people understand that land isn't just about me, although it is about me, but only about me when it's about you too. Maybe that's what makes it a struggle for some of us. If we're only attending on Ash Wednesday and Good Friday, we see the numbers dwindle. Does that take away a little bit of our momentum, our desire to continue to participate when it doesn't look like others join us? Again, I'm observing. I don't stand at the door and knock to bring about some criticism where you personally go up, think I'm picking on you. I'm not trying to pick on you. I'm just observing life as I see it. We need a group, others, that join us in the confession of our sins, that join us in in coming clean with the reality of how we fit, not only under God's rule, but together as God's people. When we put Lent into its proper perspective, you can't help but come face to face with the human struggle, the reality that we are morally and spiritually unclean. And that we live in a culture today that is really governed by what we would call spiritual moral relativism. Our lifestyles then reflect the idea of anything goes. Oh, for sure, we'll draw a line between our definition of anything goes and the far out reaches out there. We're not like those people. But when you get back to it, isn't that what Lent talks about? Who's in control of your life? Have you gotten to a point where you've heard it so much, you've got into this, this rot or this, this way that, that you are defining what God's relationship with you and is with you as opposed to the other way around? Ash Wednesday stops us in our tracks and it urges us to look and to listen, to truly, honestly look at ourselves from God's perspective and then listen to his call that comes from beyond ourselves. This isn't something that we're capable of mustering up ourselves. It's actually a gift that God gives to us. What do we say? And so the ashes that we put on our heads on Ash Wednesday can help us do just that. 
Again, you may already know that the ashes that you have on your forehead, if you have them on your forehead or your arm, actually came from last year's Palm Sunday celebration. Why? Well, if you remember, the theme of Palm Sunday is that's one of the times it looks like the hordes, the multitude of peoples got it right. Here comes Jesus riding into Jerusalem, and they're cutting down palm branches, throwing their clothes between them, calling out, Hail, Hosanna, King of kings, Lord of lords. It got so loud that the Pharisees told Jesus to tell his disciples to shut up. Of course, Jesus responded, if I tell them to shut up, then the rocks are going to start calling out. You can't deny who Jesus is. And yet, seven days later, the words out of the same people's mouths are crucify him crucify him on the one hand they had a right and yet when it came to the personal understanding of who jesus was and what he actually came to do it was just too much for them to bear it only reminds me of the good intentions that i have the the promises that i've made that have actually turned to ashes in my life too often Let's be frank, we turn our backs on the Lord. We recognize, as Isaiah did, that all our righteous acts are like filthy rags. We are ashes. That's what God said to Adam when he punished him for his sin. Dust you are, and to dust you return. So this idea of putting ashes on, on your, your head dates back way into the Old Testament. It was a common practice even to this day in the Middle Ages. I mean, in the, in the, the Mideast. People show their sorrow and repentance by putting sackcloth and ashes on. I'm not asking any of you to put on any more ashes than you already have or to put them on the way they did in the Old Testament. And I'm also not asking you to wear sackcloth, which is extremely itchy, coarse, uncomfortable. But the sackcloth and ashes were there to remind the people of their sinfulness. They would put on this sackcloth and then they would take ashes and they would cover themselves with it. They wanted to look as bad on the outside as they felt on the inside. Jacob, King David, King Hezekiah, Mordecai, Job, and many of the prophets repented before God in sackcloth and ashes. And so Lent really is a time to be honest with God and ourselves by putting on the ashes we symbolically are taking off our masks. We are recognizing the biblical perspective on our lives. That we were conceived, we were born in sin, and we've struggled with it even after we've been baptized. Even after years upon years of trying to put into practice, not just things of Lent, but the things that we talk about throughout the year. But specifically in Lent, with the death and resurrection of Jesus a mere 45 odd days away from today, it's a time to refocus our attention to appreciate that even though we talk about being saved by grace, 
It's a gift of God. It may look to some as being cheap, but when you look at it from God's perspective, it was anything but cheap. Christ died for you. Christ died for your sins. That's why we want to take an inventory of our life. To look in our, ourselves in the mirror of the law and to see who we really and truly are. Lent should encourage hard questions. Maybe we've even been uh, avoiding. I'm not saying this is easy, and I, I'm, I'm saying it as a pastor who struggles with it as much, if not a little bit more than you. Because if I can't preach to myself, how can I preach to you? We know what we find when we start examining ourselves. Yet, you want to avoid the pain. We don't want others to see the truth. And quite frankly, I don't know how often we really want to see the truth about ourselves. We are dust and ashes. How do we know? Well, have we taken time for what really matters in life? For the people who matter in our life? Time for God who defines our life? Have we been honest at work, at home, and in our relationships with others? Have we spent our time? Have we spent our money? Have we spent our talents wisely? Or are those just another source of pointing out really how selfish and self-centered we are? Yeah, we have it, but we always have a better reason or a better use than the voice of God tells us. Our answer to all these questions is no, we don't do those things. We have failed and we, we know our failures. But more to the point, God knows that. God knows that our sins and failing and guilt are always with us. God knows that these sinful behaviors that we do are festering inside of us beneath the surface. It affects our peace with God as well as our peace with God's people. Our sin is responsible for depression. Sin causes us to snap at others. Sin is the reason why sometimes we struggle to get up in the morning. We don't want to go back out there again, only to be reminded of what we don't want to remind ourselves of. And yet that's the purpose of Lent, to come clean, to be open and honest, not just with God personally, but with each other as well. A great time to reconnect as husband and wife. A great time to reevaluate how you're parenting. A great time for kids to rethink the relationship they have with their parents where at one time they accused them of only having children so that they could have some slaves when you really know that's not why they had kids. We struggle because the guilt isn't resolved. Do you have anger in your life? Anger is a poison to your body, your mind, and your spirit. And I could go on. I could. I'm not saying this is easy to confront. But the cool thing about Lent is that Easter's coming.
I know the end of the story. So I can go through the process day by day, honestly. Is it difficult? Oh, my goodness, it is. It's not easy to confront shortcomings and failings. But that hope that we are giving in Christ is what allows us to do, to process the days of Lent. Why? Because we know despite our sin, we are still accepted and we're still loved by God. We know that the reason Jesus came, the reason he died, was for our sins. The price has been paid once and for all. The active work of God to forgive stopped when Jesus died on the cross because he paid for the sins of all. We are forgiven fully and freely. And ultimately, this is what Lent points us to. Even ashes on our forehead point us to the cross from which we find life. You are dust, and to dust you will return absolutely, but I'm a child of God, and to Christ I will return. That's really the purpose and the process of Lent. We start by putting on ashes and sackcloth before the Lord. Biblically, all the saints before us have done the very same thing. Why? Because they know that the relationship with God starts starts with him. And the honesty to confront ourselves that we haven't been what he created us to be. And yet we believe his promise. We knew that we belonged to him because he tells us we know that we are his children by grace because he put that seal on us. Paul says, while we were still sinner, Christ died for us. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's the real me. The sinful me. Jesus calls us his dear child. The disobedient me. This is the one that Jesus washes clean. And he has been working to his good ever since then. It's the real me that, that he wants today. Right now, at the table of grace, to receive the gift of the body and blood of Jesus as my Savior. And if God can... Accept and love the real me. Why can't I? I'm loved with all my warts and wrinkles. While I may struggle with a vision for my life, God is very clear on the purpose of why I'm here. I want to see myself as Christ sees me. And how God the Father sees me through the sacrifice of Jesus my Savior. That's why I want to give things up or take things on. Not that I can brag to others and show out my, uh, my piety. It's because I understand the sacrifice that was made for me and that he accepts and forgives me as is. Even after I have received the forgiveness of sins and how I act as a forgiven child of God, he still wants me. He still loves me. He still desires to keep me in that faith relationship. 
And that's what Lent allows us to do as a body. I'm not the only one giving things up, I hope. I'm not the only one taking things on. We're doing it together. We're doing it as a family. We're doing as as how God intended us to go through this time. So with boldness and confidence, we put on ashes before God and before each other. And we walk away remembering that, yes, we are dust, and to dust we will return. But we are also children of God who through the death and resurrection of Christ Jesus rise to a new life. And we look forward to the day when our sinful body will be replaced by our holy body on the last day. And we will join all the other saints celebrating the marriage feast of the Lamb and God's kingdom with have no end. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.